And God, we offer ourselves as best we know, all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of you. And in these moments, we lift our hands high, realizing that you are the one completely worthy of our worship. Speak to us today in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. Everybody doing well? Today we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts and how they're used in the body. And you know what I find as a pastor is the reason that uh, many of us say, well, I don't know if I want to get involved in that. I don't know if I want to serve in this area. I don't know if I want to, because it's kind of putting ourselves out there, isn't it? So I thought we'd start today. I just want to give you some inspiration on uh, the fact that, you know, you don't have to be perfect when you're ministering. You're just, you're just allowing God to do it. Because some very famous people and some people who should... Uh, you know, we would look up to and think very highly of have, have made some mistakes in, in things they've said even. And I know that if you counted up my mistakes over the years standing up here, some of you probably have done that. You'd come up with some. So I thought I'd uh, share with you some things, make you feel a little better about yourself. And uh, this came to me on an email that said, uh, you'll feel smarter after you read this. So that tells you where we're going. In uh, 1994, there was a Miss America pageant. And uh, Heather Whitestone, who was in that pageant, was asked the question, if you could live forever, would you and why? Okay? Here was her answer. Now, I have to say this very carefully because it's very complicated. I would not live forever because we should not live forever. Because if we were supposed to live forever, then we would live forever. But we cannot live forever, which is why I would not live forever. Okay, just a little note. Heather Whitestone won the pageant that year. It was Miss America 1995. The great theologian Mariah Carey said this. Whenever I watch TV and see those poor, starving kids all over the world, I can't help but cry. But so far, so good, right? You know, there's times, just shut your mouth. Stop. Her next sentence was, I mean, I'd like to be skinny like that, but not with all those flies and death and stuff. Aren't you feeling better about yourself already? Brooke Shields was doing an interview to become spokesperson for a federal anti-smoking campaign. And she said this, smoking kills. Okay, stop. Stop right there. If you're killed, you've lost a very important part of your life. <laughs> Winston Bennett, who was a UK basketball forward, said, I've never had major knee surgery on any other part of my body. I'm hoping when he said that he was a freshman, so he had three more years of school to go. Danny Ozark, who was once one of the Philadelphia Phillies managers, said, half this game is nearly 90% mental. Now, I'm not a math whiz, but something's wrong there. Joe Theismann, who was an NFL quarterback, said, the word genius isn't applicable in football. Okay, I think we could all buy that, right? But he goes on. A genius is a guy like Norman Einstein. You know, stop while you're ahead, Joe, you know. Now, you may not know this guy, but he stuck it right in his mouth. Colonel Gerald Wellman, he was an ROTC recruiter, said, we don't necessarily discriminate, we simply exclude certain types of people. <laughs> you wonder what happened when they had a staff meeting that afternoon. And then, of course, the, the, the best blunder I've seen in this list was from our government which does this surprise anyone? 
This was from the Department of Social Services in Greenville, South Carolina. This is a memo that was sent to a person. It said, your food stamps will be stopped effective in March because we received notice that you passed away. (laughs) Oh, it gets better. The next sentence says, God bless you. It gets better. You may reapply if there is a change in your circumstances. Seriously? I'll make sure I reapply. Oh, boy. Well, you know, when you kind of put yourself out there, and uh, sometimes you can make some mistakes, and that's part of what we have to realize as we kind of look at this topic today. We're looking at New Life's DNA and, and what makes New Life uniquely New Life. And part of that Pastor Steve talked about last week and went through our mission statement as a church and what we're about. A part of what we are about as a church is that we commit as ministry partners to having a regular ongoing ministry in our church of using our gifts, of using those skills and abilities that God has given us to minister into the lives of others, both in this building and outside this building. And sometimes you have to put yourself out there and you make mistakes, but hopefully you realize, you know, I'm never going to make a mistake quite as bad as some of those. So uh, maybe I'll give this a shot. Well, Pastor Steve said last week, it was speaking last week, and I wrote down three thoughts that just hit me. Three things that he said that I felt were just... uh, worth writing down and the first one was that our highest happiness and pleasure can be found only in glorifying God our highest happiness and pleasure can be found only in glorifying God nowhere else second thing I wrote down was that being happy and glorifying God are one and the same they are not mutually exclusive you know we we sometimes think well okay I'll either serve God I'll give my whole life to him or I'll be happy But that's not the choice. They're one and the same. The third thing that I wrote down was when he said, get around people who are hot for God, who live with the glory of God in mind. See, because you become like the people that you're around. And if the people you're putting yourself around are glorifying God and pushing forward and they're hot for God, that's where you're going to go. Now, the opposite is true also. I think this applies to what we're going to talk about today as we talk about the use of our spiritual gifts, of those things that God has given us in our lives to serve the kingdom, is that in them we find happiness. And that happiness comes in the fact that we are glorifying God through them. That our sole purpose is to glorify God. And also using your spiritual gifts you typically can do many times in groups and use them to minister to other people and you're putting yourself around people who are desiring to move forward in their relationship with God. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, and discover what it tells us about this idea of using our gifts and serving within the body, within the community of the church. Romans chapter 12 begins this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, in service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. As we begin, I want to kind of do a disclaimer here about what we're not going to talk about this morning, because we could spend several weeks in these eight verses. So we're not going to talk about this morning. We're not going to search the scriptures and find the lists of spiritual gifts and try to determine what yours may be this morning. And there are all kinds of uh, opportunities to do that. You can even do them online now and you can do all these testings. and They'll tell you what they think your spiritual gift is. This isn't going to be a discussion of specific spiritual gifts. Neither are we going to discuss the controversies surrounding spiritual gifts. Well, this spiritual gift is not in use now. This was for the early church, and now we're in a different dispensation. All those kind of things. We're not going to do that. I simply want to try today to give a shot at inspiring you with the fact that part of what God does in our lives, when we become Christ followers and we're changed by the gospel, that one of the things that God does is give us the amazing opportunity to, to serve others through His Spirit. I also want to give a shot at those of you who are currently maybe not allowing God to use you to minister to others. And that maybe today you'll say, I want to find a place to serve, a place where my gifts and abilities can be used, and then I want to watch God as He uses my gifts for His glory. So we're going to look at this idea of spiritual gifts, and first we're going to look at the definition and the purpose of these gifts. This passage indicates several things in this, this idea of what the purpose is of our spiritual gifts. First, it is to extend grace. A purpose of our gifts is to extend grace. Well, God's grace is His undeserved favor to us, right? That that He gives to us, though we're undeserving, He shows us His grace. Verse 3 in Romans 12, Paul says, By the grace given to me. By the grace given to me. Verse 6 says, according to grace, according to grace, let us use them. Let us use these gifts. What's going on here? Well, Paul is saying, by the grace given to me, in verse 3, out of his grace to us, we minister to others. Paul's saying, I'm ministering to you. See, when Paul was writing the letter to the Romans, he was using the spiritual gifts that God had given him to encourage them. So by the grace given to me, God's given me grace, I want to extend that to you. In verse 6, he goes on and says, Now according to the grace that he's given you, let us use these gifts. Because of God's extension of grace to us through the gospel, we must use our gifts then to extend grace to others. See, we become a conduit of sorts for God's grace. It's as though 
we reach into God's grace. And our spiritual gift, we kind of pump it into the tube of spiritual gifts. And it comes out the other end as God's grace into the lives of someone else. Second, not only are we given gifts to extend grace to others, but to serve others. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to do what? To serve one another. To serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Gifts are given to us not for our own benefit, not so that we can feel good about ourselves or so that we can get other people to look at us and say, well, that's just awesome. They're not for our benefit. They're not to serve us. They're for the benefit of others. We've been extended spiritual gifts through God's grace so that we can serve one another. Now, note again this idea of this extension of grace. It says we are stewards of God's grace. He gives us grace and we're to use that grace to do what? To create more grace. We know this principle if we have an understanding of how God gives us resources. Let's just choose the, fi- the resource of finances. God gives us financial resources. What are we to do? We're to use those resources to extend the kingdom to pour grace through those finances into somebody else's life. We're stewards. We're to use them well. All through Scripture, we see stories of stewards. Those people put in responsibility of some resource. And God's evaluation of them is, what did you do with that resource? Did you do it to benefit anyone? Did it multiply? Same thing goes for spiritual gifts. We're to be stewards of the spiritual gift. Each of us will one day stand before God and I believe one of the questions we will be asked is what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? The abilities that I poured into your life through my grace, did you use it then to extend grace to others and to serve others? So we're to extend grace to others through these spiritual gifts. We're to serve others through our spiritual gifts and then we're to strengthen others' faith. The use of our spiritual gifts strengthens others' faith faith romans chapter 1 verses 11 and 12 say this for i long to see you that i may impart to you some spiritual gift to do what to strengthen you that is that we may be mutually what encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine again the purpose of our gifts is for others not for us when our abilities are used to strengthen others and encourage their faith We are using our gifts as God intended. We've all experienced this. That when someone else ministers into our lives through their spiritual gifts, we're encouraged, aren't we? Our faith is increased. Somehow, maybe the situation in our life doesn't look quite as bad. We're able to look to Christ in a new way because of the encouragement of this person. Or maybe they just came and they served us a meal. And it reminded us of God's care for us. And so we're strengthened and our faith is strengthened. Look what faith does. What does faith naturally do? Well, faith turns away from our own natural resources and abilities and operates in dependence upon the sufficiency of God, doesn't it? And it thereby raises the faith level of others. This is what Pastor Steve was talking about. Put yourself around people who are hot for God. That faith levels are increasing. 
If you're hanging out with people who are constantly going, let's push forward in faith. I don't know what God's going to do, but I believe he's going to do it. Aren't you inspired by that? You'd walk off cliffs if you were behind somebody like that. Faith doesn't look to itself. It looks to the massiveness of God's grace. And therefore, it builds and encourages greater faith in other people. So we're to use our gifts to extend grace to others, to serve others, and to strengthen others' faith. So here's how I would define a spiritual gift. Whatever ability or action transmits or offers God's grace to others for their eternal spiritual good is a spiritual gift. Whatever ability you have or action that you do that transmits or offers God's grace to others for their eternal benefit and their eternal spiritual good, that is a spiritual gift. Well, let's look at the source of spiritual gifts. Where do these come from? We know what the purpose is. It's to extend grace, to serve, to strengthen others' faith. We take our abilities and our actions and we allow God's grace to flow from us to to another person through our gifts. The source of those gifts, well, we see them in verses 1 and 2. Look what it says. I present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Well, where are these gifts coming from? They're coming from God's grace. They're coming from God himself. God takes, and I believe changes many times, our natural abilities and turns them inside out and gives us a gifting in those areas. Whatever level they may be at, in His mercy, He uses them. If you look ahead to verse 6, you see some interesting words there. Verse 6 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Two words in in this verse. Having gifts, the word there is charismata. Sound familiar? Charismata, of the Spirit. It's where we get our word charismatic, from the Spirit. Having gifts that differ according to the grace. Now, interestingly enough, the Greek word for grace is karen. Those gifts that are given to us. Karen, or it can be also translated charis. Well, charismatic, karen. They are part of this. They have the same root. Charismata, of the Spirit. The word for grace is charis. You can hear the similarity between the words, can't you? You see, a gift, a charisma, is an expression of charis, of grace. The, the gift is really the embodiment, the concrete manifestation of grace. Grace is the key resource of the gift. See, the embodiment of, we we say, well, we're going to use this charismata, this gift given to us by the Spirit to do what? To extend charis, to extend grace. Grace from where? Grace from the Spirit. And that's the source of our spiritual gifts, is from the Spirit pouring charis into us. Our faith takes hold of this, and then through our 
charismata, our spiritual gifts, we offer that charis, that grace to others. Make sense? Early morning, okay. Okay, what about this source? How do we, how do we make sure we are relying on this source? Well, verse 2, through the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. As our minds are changed by the truth of the gospel, by the truth of the word of God, as faith increases, as grace is grasped by that faith, our natural abilities, I believe, are enhanced. They're used by God for the spiritual good of others. But it takes the renewal of our mind. See, the second we stop renewing our mind in the word and in truth, our spiritual gifts just become natural again. And we're just offering people maybe the same thing, but without the Spirit. Without that grace being extended. You know, it may be that we have a high natural ability already. And we come to Christ and we give our lives to Him and He starts to change us. And God takes those gifts and those abilities and He uses them for His purpose. And I believe takes them and creates a spiritual gift. It's also true that God can take a person with no natural ability in an area and work such a change in their mind and heart that a spiritual gift is kind of created from scratch. A lot of pastors will say that apart from the spirit in their lives, they would never get in front of people. Well, that's something that God has done miraculously in someone's life. But I also know, how many teachers did we have standing up here? 60 or 70 teachers My guess is that before they came to Christ, they still could have been decent teachers, correct? But you put the Spirit into a teacher. And you allow that teacher to start becoming a conduit of grace. It's a completely different thing. Students, you know who the teachers in your school are that are ministering the grace of God to you and those who aren't, don't you? You can tell. Because they are allowing their charismata, their gift, their spiritual gift from the Spirit to minister grace, charis to you. The source of our spiritual gifts is the Spirit of God Himself. It's not something we stir up. It's not something we do. So we can't take credit for it. And so we look at, well, what's the attitude that we should be using in our spiritual gifts? What kind of attitude should we have? Well, we better keep in mind where they came from, and that's going to be the start of it. Let's look at verse 3 again in Romans 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, I know that this isn't for anyone in this room, but it's here for the other two celebrations, so just bear with me because I need to just touch base. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Now, that's for everybody else, I understand, but we'll read it anyway and we'll go over it, okay? What's he saying? That the attitude with which we minister our spiritual gifts should be humble, with an understanding of where the gift came from in the first place. He says we should use sober judgment. Use sober judgment. Each of our gifts are in proportion to our faith, he tells us each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Faith is given to us by God. So we can't use a gift in a way that depends upon ourselves, can we? See, the faith with which we received the gift 
through grace was all God. We can't take credit for that. We can't depend upon ourselves because then it puts the focus on us. This verse also indicates, along with some others in Scripture, that our gifts differ based upon the kinds and the degrees of grace that God intends to transmit through us to others. This is why we all have different spiritual gifts. It's different kinds and degrees of faith that have produced different kinds and degrees of grace that we offer to one another's. Gifts are extensions and expressions of grace. They're God's grace shown through human means. He uses us to show His grace. It says, according to the measure of faith. This is the measure that God gives us to evaluate ourselves. The measure of our faith. You consider Paul's statements in these two verses. Verse 3, he says, For by the grace given to me... And in verse 6, he says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let's just look at this practically. Where's Paul coming from? What's this, the grace given to me versus the grace given to you? There must be different, you know, there are different kinds. No, they're just different degrees of grace. Look at this. Paul had the gift of apostleship. Now, cert, certain theologians would say, well, there, are, there is no one anymore with the gift of apostleship. These, those were those people who had met Christ in person and then became leaders of the early church, those apostles. But it had a tremendous level of authority connected to it. Yet in spite of that authority, look what Paul's doing. Paul states that he has one thing in common with everyone who is seeking to use their spiritual gift. What is it? That he's looking away from himself and depending completely on God's grace. See, the similarity between all of our differing gifts is that we should all stop looking at ourselves and look completely upon our dependence upon God's grace. Our faith was given to us by God, wasn't it? See, God steps into our lives and he starts moving us and pulling us toward him and increasing our faith. And then it's with that faith that we're able to take hold of his grace. Our faith was given to us by God, and we are to evaluate ourselves by something that we had nothing to do with. It has been given to us by God in different measures, this passage says. See the genius here. You see, we're not measured by anyone else's faith. We don't compare... Well, I have... Uh, a, a 90 faith and you only have a 70 faith. Well, no, I have the faith that God gave me. And our assessment of another person's faith is irrelevant. Our assessment of our faith based upon what we may see in someone else is irrelevant. But simple, simply by the faith that God has given us, we're to evaluate ourselves. We are only responsible for this to the level that God has gifted us. See, you're only responsible for the gifts God's given you. You're not responsible for using someone else's gifts or telling them how to use their gift. You're responsible for using your gifts. That's where our responsibility lies. In the measure of faith that God's given us, our, evaluate, our evaluation of ourselves needs to be, am I using my gifts to the fullest extent that I possibly have based upon the faith that God has given me and the grace that he's shown to me? Here's how faith fuels our use of gifts, I believe. Real quick, faith deflects glory from us. 
Faith deflects glory from us and draws attention to Christ. So by making faith the measure of my value as a person is really my measure of my value in Christ. Or at least my potential of my understanding of my value in Christ. Second, you can't boast in a gift. You can't boast in a gift. You didn't create it. You didn't give it. You were not responsible for it. You didn't, you didn't do anything to get it. So as my faith grows and God uses me more and more, I boast in not me or the gift, but in the God who gave me the gift. It's all because of God. He fuels our faith and our use of gifts in the fact that faith is measured out to us in different proportions. So this makes us interdependent upon one another, doesn't it? You see, I need you and you need me because the level of faith that God has given us differs. And the differing of our gifts means that we all need each other. It creates unity and diversity. But that's hard because here's what it means. Everybody needs to be doing it. Because if not, we've got a body part that's not working, and we'll get to that in a minute. If you've ever had a body part not working, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You see, it brings more glory to God if we all have differing gifts and we have to depend upon one another than it would if we all had the same degree of faith, the same gifts. Because then we would all be, you know, little silos all to ourselves, able to take care of everything for ourselves. We have to be God-dependent because our faith benefits someone else. It benefits their faith. And then their gift and their faith benefit us. I tell couples this all the time in counseling. Stop trying to figure out how to get the other person to do for you. Stop trying to think about, well, here's what they need to do for me. Stop. Just figure out how you can serve them. Husbands, if you can figure out how to serve your wives... You'll be fine. Why? My guess is your wife will figure out how to serve you. Stop just trying to change the other person. Just let God change you. The only person we can change is in the mirror, right? It benefits all of us when all of us are working together. Now, the challenge here is, and we'll talk about this again in a minute, if everybody's not using their gifts, then something's getting left out, isn't it? Well, you say, well, but my gifts, you know, it's just insignificant or all I would do is this or. Well, wait a minute. That's like saying to God, well, you didn't give me enough faith. You didn't pour enough into me, so I'm not going to use it. I need to get to this new level. I need to get this gift. Well, the Bible clearly says don't go looking at other people's gifts and want them. You have, don't desire other people's gifts. Focus on the gifts that God's given you and then use them. Here's how faith fuels our use of gifts. One more way. Faith makes all gifts spiritual. The difference between a natural gift and a spiritual gift is one thing. Faith. That faith that grabs hold of God's grace. Apart from faith, these gifts would simply be natural and would point people to the person with the gift rather than a spiritual gift that honors God and brings glory to Him. Without faith, our natural abilities and actions do not transmit supernatural grace to anyone else. Spiritual gifts transmit spiritual things to others. 
And you know when it's, we all know when it's happening. I know that it's, it's strange. I know the difference between somebody that's using their spiritual gift to mow the lawn and somebody who's just mowing the lawn out of, well, it had to be done. Because you can see it. You can sense it. There's some men in our church who for years get these ready for you. Now, this week they had to work really hard because there were, what, five inserts. And they come in every Friday and they put all the inserts in. Well, I can tell, I know exactly. Why have they done it all those years? Just because it needed to be done? No. It's part of their spiritual gift of service. That they're doing it based upon a gift that God's given them. You can tell that they're doing it. And they're pouring out grace to all of us. Because you get to get all these papers so we can kill more trees. Each weekend. These are, th- these are things that leadership is saying. These are important for you to... These are important, this is important information. And they extend, they become that conduit of using their spiritual gifts to get that to you. Well, how do we use spiritual gifts in the church? We're trying to transmit these spiritual things to others, like hope and love and joy in Christ and inspiration and a longing for spiritual discipline and courage and all these things that can come to us through the use of someone's spiritual gifts. How do we use these gifts in the community? I think we see this in verses 4 and 5. For as in one body, we have many members. Everybody get that? Within your body, lots of pieces, parts, right? And the members do not all have the same function. Make sense? Your heart doesn't do the same thing as your kidneys and your knees don't work quite the same way as your elbows, all those kind of things, okay? So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. What's that mean, members of one another? We're interdependent upon one another. See, we use our gifts in the community in faith and we measure them by faith. We are interconnected parts of the same body. There's to be an interdependency upon one another so that the community works as God intended. But here's what can happen. We can get caught up in living our lives alone. We talked about this siloing. So we become these silos. And we think, well, I can make every decision in my life. I I can fix every problem. I can do every piece of the Christian life without others. Here's what I see time and time again. We struggle to grow and move forward. Why? Well, we we deceive ourselves into thinking kind of like this. Hey, I'm a kidney. I can get along just fine without a mouth. So I'll just I'll I'll just really work hard and I can be a mouth too. Doesn't work, does it? Hey, you know, I'm I'm a foot, but I, I think I can accomplish absolutely everything in this Christian life, in this Christian walk. Without the rest of it, I can do it without an ankle. Well, you see, it just gets funny and sad at the same time. We just cannot do life alone. We are, independ- we are interdependent members of the body. And when my part's working and your part's working, it's working. But if we, step, if we step aside, if we step out of community and say, well, I can just kind of do this all on my own, there's a lot of stuff not working. 
We just can't do it alone. Earlier we looked at 1 Peter 4. Let's look there again. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says this. Listen to these phrases that I'll highlight as we read this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Now that's what we looked at before. As good stewards of what? God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order what? That in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Again we see this idea that we're stewards. We're servants of God's gifts. God is to be the only one to receive glory as we serve one another. We are responsible to use God's gifts within the body of Christ for His glory. We are responsible for that. If we're not using our gifts, if we're not making an effort to minister to God's grace to others, we are not being good stewards. And, more importantly, we are not glorifying God. How should they be used in the church? 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, To each is given the man- manifestation of the Spirit. For what? For the common good. The common good. In God's economy, it is, the, it is better this way. Each of us looking out for the good of another. Now, I know our government tried it, but scripturally, in a sense, it's true. It takes a village. That's true spiritually, but I'm not going to depend upon the government to get that right. But it ought to be in the church. That the use of our gifts of the Spirit are for the common good. 2 Corinthians 3, 4-6 through says this, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be, look at this, ministers of a new covenant not of the letter but of the spirit ministers of the new covenant each of us in this room is a minister of the new covenant each of us is a minister of the gospel so if we want to have parking spaces for the ministers we need to get a lot of yellow paint because we would put hundreds of parking spaces for the ministers of the gospel at New Life. We are ministers of the new covenant. Well, what is that? It is the gospel. This new covenant, the God story of God reaching down to us and inviting us into relationship with Him through confession and repentance. Of showing us grace. Now look, it doesn't stop there. You see how the gospel doesn't stop right there? It doesn't stop. Okay, by faith, I grabbed hold of God's grace as He offered it to me. Now what? I got a big glob of grace. You know, this doesn't, it, it can't just sit there. What are we supposed to do? Well, hey, God says, I gave you this spirit to give you spiritual gifts to which to minister and manifest my grace to others through your spiritual gifts. You see, your use of your spiritual gifts is a part of the gospel. It's a part of your responsibility as a Christ follower to not just say, Well, I know Christ, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm done. No, it's a part of the gospel. Through the Spirit of God, we minister through His gifts to us. 
we look to the bounty of God's free grace. Not only for salvation, not only for our growth in holiness, but also for our spiritual gifts. What should be our focus as we use our spiritual gifts? Well, I think we go back to the source. In verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12, it tells us this is our act of spiritual worship. These gifts come from God. They're from Him and they are for Him. So we offer them back to Him. Our use of these gifts honors God in worship. This is spiritual worship. Showing God's ultimate worth to find the place for our gifts in the body and let God use them. And use us for His glory and the spiritual benefit of others. You see, it can't stop. Worship isn't 25 minutes on a Sunday morning. Worship is you. If you're wondering what all this stuff up here is. Worship is you is, is looking and saying, that's, that's where my abilities are. That's where my gifts lie. That's where I'll, I'll do that. I'll go into the kitchen and make meals for the needy and for struggling families. I'll do that. I'll turn the lights on in the building. I I can, you know, hey, the worship team really doesn't like standing in the dark, so I could be I could do that because I'm technical and I can use a computer to program and it's really cool and you're geeky and so that's what you do. I can use a lawnmower. Well, is a lawnmower spiritual? Not in and of itself. But if God's gifted you to serve and has gifted you to care for His creation, then it can be extremely spiritual. And I don't know about you, my gift is, you know, that's not where my gifts lie, but I certainly appreciate the fact that somebody's lie there. There's all kinds of opportunities within the body to use our gifts. And it's all worship. It's all worship. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, We have this treasure. What treasure? The treasure of the gospel. The treasure of grace. We have it where? In jars of clay. What are the jars of clay? Us. Now I've heard it said some of us are jars of clay and some of us are cracked pots. But we have within us the treasure of It says this, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Isn't that the point of spiritual gifts? That within this jar, as we open ourselves up and use our spiritual gifts and our giftings and our abilities for the glory of God, that within us is the grace of God given to us through the gospel. And it's that that has to be taken and poured out on others. There's a treasure that lies within you. And there are people around you in this room this morning and here last night and coming at 11 that desperately need you to open up yourself so that the treasure of God's grace can be poured out on them. I think there's a practical application here. And certainly it's not the only application. 
Certainly there are ways to use our gifts apart from this, and I'm not insinuating or implying that. But the reality here at New Life is this. If you've noticed on the back of your worship folder, the last couple of weeks, we've started putting a little thing that says core scores. I don't know if anybody's paid attention to that yet. Maybe you just didn't even understand what it is, so you looked over it. Okay? Core scores. This is what, as leadership, we look to and we say, how are we really evaluating new life? We're not evaluating... I'll tell you how we're not evaluating new life. By bucks and numbers in celebrations. That's not how we're doing it. And by the, you know, we got a bigger building than so-and-so. Here's how we're doing it. We're saying, okay, we have... 63 new ministry partners this year so far. 63 families that have come to new life. Number of ministry partners total, 891 people have said, I'm a ministry partner of new life, okay? Of those, 44% are in small groups. Now, what percentage of that made a commitment to be in a small group? 100%. But Pastor Jay will get on you about that next week. Here's my part. The percent of ministry partners serving in a ministry regularly, 57%. How many said they would serve in a ministry? 100%. That means 43% of those of you who are ministry partners at New Life said you would have an ongoing regular ministry and yet do not yet. My hope is that as you've realized the grace of God poured into your life that needs to be coming out of this jar of clay into the lives of others. You're saying already, God's telling you, you need to do something. Well, let me give you one way to do that. Take these two pieces of paper out of your worship folder. If you did not get a worship folder, and typically this is men who let their wife get the worship folder, raise your hand and an usher will come and give you these. I know it's scary to raise your hand, but raise your hand and they'll find you. like everybody to have one of these. And what we're going to do for these next few minutes... On this sheet are 36 current key needs. Now, in some cases, it's a need for just one person. In some cases, it's a need for multiple people. If you look at our small group section, obviously we need lots of small group leaders. And those are in all areas of our church. We've tried to list these not by ministry, but kind of by gifting area. So if you have an administrative gift, there are lots of opportunities. To serve in celebration, for home repair and grounds care opportunities, hospitality, maybe that's something that you are good at, humanitarian aid opportunities, opportunities to mentor, opportunities in music and drama, in small groups, in teaching, in technical. There are 36 things on this list. So what we're going to do is the band's going to just play and sing, and don't worry about it. Take your time. Got some time. Find a category. Look down and say, oh, that category kind of interests me, and then see what's there. Especially those of you who aren't currently serving in a ministry. As I said, this isn't the only way to use your gifts, but it's a really practical way this morning. You say, well, I don't know what my gift is, and I don't know what to use. Here's my advice. This is very theologically sound. Just do something. Just do something, and watch God use you. And maybe you do it for six months, and you say, well, maybe I shouldn't be playing the piano. You know, I have never had any lessons, and I... But ministry leaders will consistently help you find your spot and your place to serve the body. If you're not serving, I'd encourage you, don't leave today without at least 
letting God open up some options for you, some opportunities.